let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC. So like a lot of people, I love cats. But if you're a squirrel or a bird, our purring four-legged friends are also furry little killing machines that are wreaking havoc in the district. So some enterprising scientists in DC decided the solution starts with counting all the cats. And Jacob Fenston, environmental reporter at WAMU, is here to tell us what they found. It's Monday, January 23rd, 2023. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. We're here with Jacob Fenston, WAMU's environmental reporter. So Jacob, in your most recent article, you refer to cats as cold-blooded killers and fluffy brutes. I guess I have to ask, what's the deal with you and cats? Do you hate them? No, I love cats. I uh, I have cats myself. Um, I think they're wonderful, but they're also, they are an environmental problem. Um, I have an even better quote, which I can uh, share with you. One study I found from 2020 called Cats the most ubiquitous and environmentally damaging invasive predators on earth. So uh, you can you can get pretty uh, pretty serious in terms of talking about the damage cats can do. Adorable little killing machines? That's also fair, yes. So all jokes aside, your article is all about how DC's feral cat problem impacts native wildlife. What does the research show about how these cats are really impacting the environment? It dates back kind of a long time. There's been this ongoing debate between sort of the cat people who are concerned about the well-being of especially alley cats and feral cats who do things like trap, neuter, and return. You know, they catch feral cats, neuter them, and, and send them back out in the environment. And then people who feel like that's really terrible for all of the native birds and native mammals. So there's kind of been this, this deadlock in that debate for a long time between those two different groups. The cat count, which the story was about, tried to get some sort of some data about that, how, how many cats there really are, where are they living, and what kind of impact they really have in the sort of limited geography of Washington, D.C. And so this most recent study I talked about in the story looks at, sort of takes that data that they found counting cats, and we can go more into the cat count if you want, but uh, they had all this data about where cats are, they had a lot of data about where wild animals are in the city, and they lined those up so they could sort of see where cats are and where the animals that they might kill or that might also, you know, harm the cats are. And it showed that um, for the large part, cats prefer different habitats than wild animals do. You know, they evolved for the past 10,000 years with with humans. So that's their environment is the, the built environment. Chipmunks, squirrels, uh, possums, raccoons, their environment is, uh, they were in the study shown to be really closely associated with places with lots of tree cover and access to water, and then cats were less likely to be in those areas. So if you look at a map of DC, those forested areas like you know the National Arboretum, Rock Creek Park, Fort DuPont, all those kind of really forested areas, those are going to be where you're going to find your chipmunks. There's not going to be very many cats in there. 
The problem, though, is that if you look at a map of D.C., there's lots of these little narrow parks, um, lots of edge areas, fringe areas where the forest meets up with the neighborhoods. And that's where you're going to have like cats and wild animals <laughs> coinciding and, and the carnage that will follow. What are some of those areas? Like, I guess I would imagine like your Mount Pleasant, like places that are sort of up against the borders of more tree coverage? Yeah. So if you you know picture any kind of neighborhoods that are close to a park, especially kind of a large park, like um, Mount Pleasant is next to Rock Creek Park. So where you have a lot of people living next to a, a sort of a forested area. But but there's parks like that throughout the city. Um, you mentioned Fort DuPont, National Arboretum. You know, those are big kind of urban parks. Um, even the, you know, the National Mall, like there's a, there's been lots of interesting <laughs> wildlife sightings, like the fox that was on Capitol Hill a while ago. You know, there's going to be wild animals in places, all those places. And uh, some of them are, are small enough, that there's going to be lots of cats as well. I was going to ask, is a, is, would a cat be a predator to a fox? Is that a stupid question? Uh, no, that's not a stupid question. I, no, they wouldn't be. But I think what, one concern there would be rabies is that a, a fox could transmit rabies to a cat. So it's not just the damage that cats could do to wildlife, but also wildlife can pass on diseases or, you know, actually kill a cat. There are coyotes in, in our parks. And so that could be a uh, coyotes could kill cats. Yeah. What kind of wild animals are cats attacking? Um, it's, you know, smaller ones. So it's, it's a lot of chipmunks, um, native mice, uh, things like that. Uh, and of course, birds. This um, particular study I was talking about did not look at birds so much, but there's a related study from the same set of data that, that does sort of take into account the effect on birds. They looked at these same photos from the cat count, the cat census, and they looked at any picture that had a cat with, it, with prey in its mouth. And they were able to kind of see what cats were killing and where they were killing. And they identified sort of same idea. There was a about an 800 foot buffer around forested areas where cats were most likely to be killing native mammals and birds. And then outside of that, in the sort of more urban parts of the city, they were more likely to be, be killing non-native invasive Norway rats, which are <laughs> very common in a lot of places in the city. So I've actually heard that this battle can kind of come down between cat people and bird people and that it gets pretty intense. Like I heard that sometimes the conversation gets so heated that death threats have been involved. Why is this such a contentious issue? Yeah, I mean, it sparks uh, really strong emotions. I mean, people love cats. They've been with people for many thousands of years and and uh, they live in our homes. They're part of our families. So people who care about the welfare of cats often feel very deeply. And on the other hand, you know, people really feel strongly about, about nature and about um, wildlife and about birds in particular. So sometimes it is seen as sort of a, a divide between those two groups. And people use like superlatives about how, how bad cats are for, for native creatures. I mean, I've seen, there's one study that said that, you know, cats kill as many as 4 billion native birds in the United States each year, which caused a lot of pushback from the other side. But, um, you know, basically that's, that's the biggest threat to birds. If you believe that number, that's, you know, more than the number of birds that are killed by running, crashing into buildings, which is a big problem, more than the number of birds that are killed by cars hitting them. It's, you know, potentially the biggest threat to, to birds are cats. It's time to get dressed up, DC. 
So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in D.C. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. So as I understand it, the D.C. cat count basically worked by putting 1,500 cameras around the city to kind of monitor and track D.C.'s feral cats. And the program cost $1.5 million from grants and foundations. Some people might be listening to this and think that sounds like kind of a lot of money for D.C.'s feral cats. Do you feel like this is a good use of the money in terms of the actual environmental impact? I do. I mean, you know, science, it's just like anything else in the world. Science costs money to do it. You're paying people to to do it. And some of the researchers I talked to said it's, you know, it's the same sort of methodology that people have used for decades to, for example, figure out what the tiger population in uh, in the wild is. We do this sort of thing with wild animals all the time in, in all sorts of different ecosystems to better understand them, to better understand how to protect them, to, yeah, keep understand, you can't really, you know, understand how to protect a wild animal if you don't know how many there are and where they're living, that sort of thing. So it's sort of just applying those same principles to this urban population of cats and I think it's it was unique. I think it's the first time a city has done this. And it, I think, provided some pretty unique insights that, you know, maybe made sense intuitively. But now there's now there's science and data to back it up. They also created a whole sort of toolkit so that other cities can much more easily and much more cheaply do something similar. I mean, it's hard to hard to quantify what something's worth, but it, I think it, it was a very interesting project. And I'm embarrassed to say how many stories I've done about this because I, I find it totally fascinating. So, Yeah, I know that you're like DC's cat guy. Like this is like your beat, essentially. You've written a lot about the subject. Why, why is it so, what is it about it that you find so fascinating? I just think, I mean, you know, cats are just, are very much a part of our human world. And this just speaks to me. It's a story about how humans and nature are colliding in the place that we live. And I just think that those sorts of stories are really interesting. I think all kind of stories about wildlife in the city are, are often fascinating. But this just really speaks to me about sort of how people live with the natural environment. I think that's so right. And also, there's a kind of a human element to it that a lot of people like cats. And we have cats as our pets and cats can feel like, like I had a cat. And I when, when I hear cats being talked about as like killing machines on four paws, I'm like, wait, no, my cat would never. And then I really start to think about it. And I'm like, actually... 
my cat would and yes. my cat has. Yes. Yeah, I often think about like if a cat was the size of a dog, I think my cat would probably have uh my cats are very sweet, but I think if they were as, as big as a large dog, like I might not survive the encounter. You know, they're they're predators and they have that wild instinct still. And yet we like live, like we keep them in our house and like rub their tummies. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange uh, codependent relationship. So were there any action items that came out of the research around the D.C. cat count? Like how can we be best protecting D.C. wildlife without hurting local cats? Yeah, so I mean, this most recent study that I was talking about, the most recent research that kind of like mapped where cats are and where wild animals are. I think that has really interesting implications because it says there may be, you know, 100,000 outdoor and feral cats in the city, but we don't have to worry so much about all 100,000 cats in every, you know, square inch of the city. We really have to worry about like, you know, 800 feet next to a park and the cats that are in those areas. Like that's places that you know, maybe we should be targeting education of, you know, residents, you know, keep your cat indoors, especially if you live close to a park. Um, or maybe we shouldn't be putting feral cats there that have been, that have been neutered. There's, uh, it sort of makes the problem seem more manageable if you know where you can focus limited resources to the problem. Yeah. Is it a bad idea for folks to have their cats, just like have outdoor cats if they live in some of these areas? Like, are you just being kind of a negligent cat owner if you let your cat roam around? Yeah. I mean, it's it's better not to have a cat outside because of the the damage they do. There's, you know, you can put a collar with a bell on them. There's also these very funny, like clown-like collars that um, look like an Elizabethan collar that like birds can see them better if they're wearing them. They look really silly. But um, so there's things that you can do to try to mitigate it. But generally, it is best to keep your cat inside. But I do think if you live in a neighborhood in D.C. where rats are the only wildlife, I mean, there's different impacts in different neighborhoods. And so it depends on where you are. I love how some of the mitigation tactics for people who choose to keep their cats outdoors are like, well, if you're going to have this killing machine outside, at least humiliate him with a little collar or a bell, at least at least like embarrass him a little bit with an outfit. Yeah, I feel like the cats. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it really shames them as much as the owner, but it may cut down on the killing. Jacob, thanks so much for being here today. This was a great conversation. Thanks, Bridget. I had fun. And before you go, here's some quick news. Fairfax police are investigating reports that a middle school student was sexually assaulted in a school bathroom about 10 days ago. The principal of Frost Middle School and the area superintendent say the school will implement a buddy system for whenever students leave the classroom, and they're making counselors available to kids who want support. Meanwhile, the Purple Line is potentially being delayed yet another seven months. It's taking longer than expected to move utility lines, including underground and overhead water and telecommunications lines. The project is already four and a half years behind schedule. And lastly, Regal is closing its movie theater in Gallery Place next month. It's part of a massive wave of closures as the company declares bankruptcy. Maryland's theaters Bowie Stadium 14 and Rockville Center 13 will also close. Guess we are really leaning into the homebody vibes this winter and watching movies on our couch. That's all for today on CityCast DC. And if you've enjoyed the show, why not tell your friends who love cats and birds? They can rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.